0: Revelation chapter 19, the last half. This is that which all time has been pressing toward. This is when the king comes. Over his enemies, victorious. The king is coming. <clears throat> If you, I believe, receive the Herald of Hope, you might have got in your last edition um, the Revelation. It's probably as concise as you can get on the book of Revelation, but it's packed full of a lot of Scripture. And uh, he, John E. Cobb summarises this. <clears throat> this portion of Scripture, <clears throat> chapter 19, begins with the Hallelujah Chorus sung in heaven that we looked at two weeks ago. In verses 1 to 3, a great voice of many people saying, Alleluia, salvation, glory, and honor. From this we learn that it is perfectly right to rejoice when God judges evil. And we looked at that too last time. All heaven rejoices. And he continues, the chaste bride of Christ is on display in verses 7 through to 10. The bride of Christ, the church. And praise continues that the true bride of Christ is displayed in fine linen, clean and white, which is the righteousnesses of saints or the righteous acts of saints. The Greek text is in this verse has a plural righteousness, signifying that the imputed righteousness of Christ is not in view, but rather the righteous acts of believers. And really, that's a summary of the sermon that was given two weeks ago. Everything faithfully done for Christ, even a cup of cold water, will receive a reward. Um, <clears throat> then he said from verse, and we look at today, verse 11 to 21, the married supper of the Lamb. The wedding of Christ and his church takes place in heaven, for Christ will return from the wedding, according to Luke 12, 36. mean the parables, as you look at the parables there, the Lord returns from the wedding. Which has taken place, the marriage supper will be on earth, and Israel will be guests with the blessed who survive the tribulation. These are the sheep of those spoken of in Matthew twenty-five. These are blessed of my Father who inherit the the kingdom. Matthew twenty-three, a twenty-five, thirty-three. Blessed are they that are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And the parable of the ten virgins, and I thought of doing a sermon on these parables. From Matthew instead of Revelation because it ties with the marriage, the wedding, and then the marriage feast. But the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew 25 and in the context was given to Jewish disciples before the church existed. The bride is not mentioned. The wise virgins are those prepared for the marriage supper to come. It's a warning to Israel at the end of the age to be ready. For the marriage supper that's going to take place, the kingdom. And the parable of the marriage supper for the king's son was prophetic of the nation of Israel. Invitations were sent out, but they made light of it. They made light of it, the Jews did. and entreated the king's servant or treated the king's servants spitefully and slew them, Matthew 22. The king was wroth and he sent forth the armies and burned up their city. And that he did in AD 70 with the Romans. And so the kingdom was rejected by the Jews. It was an invitation to Israel to attend the marriage supper, but they rejected the invitation. But now in the book of Matthew 25, it goes out again to the nation of Israel and this time they will listen this time they will come to the marriage supper though there be few of them because many of them will die in the tribulation and uh, they will come and they'll look upon him whom they have pierced and mourn for him as one mourns for his only child and so that's a, a real brief summary of chapter 19 only one page there in that if you haven't got it you could send off and get it I think they give it to you free actually little booklets from them Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful truths. The climax of the ages is in this chapter we look at this morning. Lord, you have already won the victory. The victory is won through the cross, but it will be brought to pass and literally happen where you will be victorious over the wicked one and the wicked people of this world. You will reign in your kingdom and the glory will be seen Lord I pray that we're all prepared for the time that's coming Lord that we'll be delivered from this hour and Lord that we'll be warning others to flee from the wrath to come that's even spoken about when the king comes no more mercy, no more grace, no more opportunity no more invitation our Lord, the only invitation we find here is for the fowls of the heaven to feast upon wicked men's bodies, literally going to be fulfilled, What a sad end to a wicked life. But Lord, for those who trust in you, we have glorious hope, a bright future, and a blessed wedding to attend, and be part of. Bless us as we consider the words of this prophecy in Jesus' name, Amen. <clears throat> so follow along in the outline that you have there in the in the bulletin the king is coming in the book of revelation chapter 1 and verse 1 it's the revelation of jesus christ that is he's going to be made manifest and this is where it happens at the end toward the end of the book of revelation In Revelation chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, it says, Behold, he cometh with the clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also that pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and was and which is to come, the Almighty. And so this book that we have on our laps this morning is about the Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter 5, remember back if we can, (laughs) about a year ago we were looking at chapter 5 of Revelation. There there was a seven-sealed book and no man could, could open it. And John wept because no man could open the book because the contents were so important. John was weeping and then don't weep. There is one that can open the book, the Lamb of God takes the book and opens the book. And heaven erupts into praise and worship because he is worthy to open the book. And when we study that study that chapter, <clears throat> we discovered that the seven-sealed book is the title deed to the planet Earth. You see, Satan is the god, little g, of this world. He has been given the title deeds by man when we sinned, Adam and Eve. Here, the Lord's taking them back and he's going to own the world. Now... He does anyway. Who created the world? John 1 talks about that. He created the world. It's his by the right of creation. He made it. It's his by right of Calvary. He purchased it. He paid the price for the redemption of this the, the inhabitants of this world. And even the world itself in Romans 8. And it's his by conquest. Not only by creation calvary but also by conquest and this is the conquest this is the battle this is the finale (laughs) and he will be victorious Uh, the entire book of revelation has been leading to this great moment when the king is coming chapter 6 to 18 is preparing the world for his coming things couldn't get any worse in fact if they got worse there would be no flesh left on earth that's what the bible says And the passage we're about to study speaks of the great moment in the future when Jesus will return to earth. Uh, A a time that people, Christians, believers throughout the ages have been looking for and hastening the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. When he came as a redeemer, the first time he gave his life. But this time he's coming as a ruler. The first time was a cross. The second time is the crown. The first time he come was the tomb. The second time is the throne. This is the victory cry. (laughs) You know, it's it's utterly disgraceful that in our world today, as you go out and venture among unsaved people, that they use the name of our Lord as a curse word, as a byword. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know the judgment they're inviting upon their heads in so doing. And it's getting a lot worse, isn't it? It's getting terrible out there amongst the unsaved people. It's diabolical and disgraceful that the Lord God, the creator, is spoken of in such a way. Well, he's coming to visit the world soon. <laughs> we see there was, a, there was a door opened back in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. It was, it seems, a little door. The first door. But here we see heaven opened. The little door was when John was uh, taken to heaven and he saw the throne room. It's a picture of the church going. But here is the church and the Lord returning and heaven is opened. You know... (coughs) I have thought, you know, they look out there, they try to find comets and whatever things are going past in case they hit the earth, trying to detect that. If they have any ability left at the end of the tribulation, they'll have their telescopes and radio, whatever, blips going, <laughs> and they'll think they'll be able to see him coming. <laughs> He's undetectable until he turns up and the heavens break open what a day it'll be the visitation of the king the king's appearance verse 11 to 13 we see first of all his, his nature he's full of glory <laughs> when Jesus came to earth the first time his glory was veiled even his own family didn't know who he was he was raised as one of them <laughs> um, there in In Nazareth, his glory was veiled in the flesh. He he took upon him, Philippians chapter 2. Those who saw him recognised him as a Jew. The Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Remember the Samaritan woman? She recognised him to be just a (laughs) Jew. But he was more than the Jew, wasn't he? He was the creator of the universe. He didn't have a place to lay his head, though he created all things. He hath no form nor nor comeliness, Isaiah 53, verse 2. And when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. But he was full of glory. And on the day that the transfiguration happened, yes, the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. And John said, we beheld, because John saw it, his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He came there veiled, but the next time he comes, he'll be unveiled riding a a white horse. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. Hmm. Things will be different when he rides with the white horse out of heaven down to earth. And here he's seen as a conqueror. The last time they saw Jesus, he was dying on the cross. The world looked at Jesus as a victim, not a victor. Here, there he died, here he comes to reign. And verse 12 says, his eyes were like a flame of fire. Where have we read that? Back in the early chapters of Revelation. Chapter 1, when, the, when John turned to see the voice that spoke with him, his eyes were like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And so he's described as having eyes as a flame of fire, omniscient, all-knowing, all-powerful. He can see through, he knows all, he knows the very thoughts of our head upon our bed. He knows all. This is the Lord Jesus. And I'm afraid that the picture they paint of him on many paintings is just not a true depiction of who the Lord Jesus is, is it? When he comes, they will not recognise him for they have a false image of the Lord. He is not only full of glory, and that glory was veiled when his first coming, but not here on the second coming. He's, he is faithful and true, as it reads in verse the middle of verse 11 faithful and true modern politicians make all these sorts of promises the leaders of the world make promises but they can't keep their promises and often lie knowing that they can't keep them but not this one the lord jesus is faithful and true and he keeps his promises he's true to his word aren't you glad that that's so (laughs) for if he wasn't true to his word our salvation would not be secure and he's true to his pro- the prophecies he's given. He will fulfill them as he did the first time he came. <clears throat> in in first, uh, second Corinthians one twenty we read, For all the promises of God in him are ye, and in him amen, unto the glory of God by us. Yes, he keeps his promises to his children. He keeps his promises to his followers. He fights in righteousness, thirdly. He fights in righteousness. This is his nature. And verse, the last part of verse d, uh, 11, true and righteous in truth and righteousness. He doth judge and make war. Most of the world's wars have been fought over little things. And I've been looking around today and you hear things said by politicians. And they're just prone just to blurt out something and it can cause a world war. As you look back at the world wars, a false pretense or a foolish objective or something that happened, the poisoning of two people in England, you think, oh, you know, where they're going with this? Mm. The West is turning against Russia and provoking the bear. Well, <clears throat> only the Lord knows where it's going to lead but not the lord jesus he makes a promise he's not a, like a politician's promise he keeps the promise and in righteousness he will do it it will be absolutely right for every individual involved in the whole world of what he brings upon them the lord is his name he's the is the the lord is a man of war according to this verse that's not well the way most religions portray the lord but he is Shown in the Old Testament through the Jewish people. And so we see his nature. We see, secondly, his name. His name in verse 12. It is the name of mystery that no man knew but he himself, as it reads in that verse. You know, there's so much more about the Lord Jesus Christ that we don't know down here. We can study the names of the Lord, and it's a great study in the Old Testament all the different combination names of the lord but he's got a name that no man knew but he himself there is a lot more to the lord than we know now there's a lot more that we'll learn when we get to heaven about the revelation of the lord jesus he will reveal himself over time and throughout eternity to get to know the lord isn't that what paul said in philippians that that's what he wanted he sacrificed everything to know the lord to know about him and to know not only about him but to know him personally and individually you know people can refuse to know the lord today people can come to a funeral and be touched by the message that was preached but they go away and forget what manner of man they were if only they come to know the lord and the, the moment of salvation is only the beginning and on through eternity we get to know the Lord. His, his name is not a byword, it's not a swear word and I pray that you've never said that. If you were unsaved and you were an adult, you may have. But we ask and are forgiven of those things that we've said against him. The Lord will have every word, everything that's said by us, And we will give an account unless it's under the blood of the Lord Jesus. His name. It's a name of mystery. It's a name of ministry. His name is the word of God. We read verse 12. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His head were many crowns. Had a name written that no man knew but he himself. Verse 13. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. We'll look at that in a moment. And his name is called the word of God the name of ministry (laughs) and when you think of this i mean there's no mistaking who this is is it (laughs) in verse 16 really you can't get away from who this is and when and what is happening here but his name is called the word of god where do you go to to find the study on the name who is the word of god john's gospel chapter one (laughs) In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is the Lord Jesus, the name of ministry that ministers to us even today. It's the power in the Word that ministers to us. He is the Word of God. He came to fulfill the promises and prophecies of the Word. He came to go to the cross and pay the price for our sins and for sinners. As it reads in Matthew 20:28, 20, Even as the Son of Man came, not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And he is the word that ministers to our needs. As it reads in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and there he's spoken of as being the one that comforts us in all our sorrows, that we can comfort others who have sorrows. His word ministers to us. When we're down and we don't see a way up, we can read the word of God. Hey, read Psalm 119. <laughs> read all of the Psalms and find the encouragement we can get from the ministry of the Word of God. That is the Lord Jesus to our hearts. You read of Old Testament prophets and people that trusted in the Lord. Was, I think there was a question on our quiz there uh, from that Brother Tony gave us. there about Moses in Hebrews chapter 11 and what he gave up he gave up authority in egypt he gave up all the popularity the fame that could have been his because he he had respect unto the recompense of the reward of eternity based on the promises of the word of god it spoke of moses uh, in the questions there and what he gave up he gave up his homeland he gave up comfort He, he went out into a strange land that he knew not about he followed the lord you see God's word ministers to us and through us to unsaved people. And like at a funeral, it's a a wonderful time to have the word of God as a comfort to those that are there. But it also is a challenge to those who are unsaved. Because this is a time they're thinking about death. They're thinking about eternity. And what an opportunity to share the word at those emotionally charged times From the Word of God, because the Lord ministers through his word. When we talk to somebody we don't share our arguments, we share the Word of God. So it's a name of ministry, it's a name of mystery, it's a name of majesty. Verse sixteen and hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Does your Bible do something with those words there? They're all capital, aren't they? On his thigh the thigh symbolizes strength stability and power remember when jacob wrestled with the angel of the lord the angel touched jacob's thigh and his power to resist was broken and he submitted and succumbed to the lord and so the lord touches our self-reliance and turns us to trust in him but on his thigh a position of strength and when jesus comes this This time, he's not coming as a lowly Nazarene. He's not coming to work in a carpenter's shop. He will not be the butt of cruel mockings and jokes. He will not be stripped. He will not be beaten. He will not be spat upon. Oh, no. He will not be crucified. He comes as King of kings and Lord of lords. And it's interesting in verse 17 and 18 that these kings that are present when he comes will become food for the fowls. (laughs) But not the king of kings. He hath on his vesture. His garment is a symbol of his position. And when we see somebody that has a a royal, what do you call it, (laughs) clothes, (laughs) garments on, you say, well, well, wonder who they are. When we were in England, we went through the, you know, the Buckingham Palace and then went down around the back and went through all, where all the chariots, are held, the Australian one that we gave, and the gold, the gold. <laughs> it's all over them, all these chariots, and, the, and went to where the horses were and the different names of the different horses and that. And it says, this is all just for the Queen or the King to, to ride around in. But when the Lord comes, he he hath on his vesture king of kings and lord of lords his very garments prove that he is worthy of faith and he is worthy of worship Pilate put a name over him when he was crucified in Matthew 27 37 he put this accusation this is Jesus king of the Jews and it's said that Pilate Did not stop washing his hands from that day forward till he died and he died early just of being so moved and upset and going bonkers from what he had done to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. What have you done with the King of the Jews? Have you believed on him? Have you made him Lord of your life? Is he the authority, as Tony displayed this morning, in your life? Do you let him have his, his way? Or are you going to leave it to the end? The three different people that come and said, I will serve, but let me do this, this, and this. <laughs> and we'll get to the end of our life and say, oh, now I'm going to serve. You get too hurt and <laughs> too, too achy and can't, can't think as you used to spend and be spent for the king of kings and lord of lords it will be worth it all (laughs) if you spend for the lord jesus and whatever ability you have give it back to him be used for the lord's glory the king's appearance we've noticed the king's apparel there verse 13 clothed with a vesture dipped in blood his garments are stained with the blood of his enemies if you turn back to isaiah chapter 63 verses 1 through to 6 it talks about this as he stomps on the enemies his enemies and the armies of the world gathered against him in isaiah 63 verse 1 who is this that cometh from edom with dyed garments from bosra this that is glorious in his apparel traveling in the greatness of his strength I who speak in righteousness mighty to save wherefore art thou red in thine apparel and thy garments like him that treadeth the wine vat I have trodden the winepress alone and the peoples that were none with me for I will tread them in mine anger and trample them in my fury and their blood shall be sprinkled sprinkled upon my garments And I will stain all my raiment, for the day of vengeance is in mine heart, and the year of my Redeemer is come. And I looked, and there was none to help. I wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore mine own arm brought salvation unto me, and my fury it upheld me. And I'll tread down the peoples in mine anger and make them drunk in my fury and I'll bring down their strength to the earth. This is what it's speaking about. This is in Revelation. It's over there in the prophet Isaiah and it will be fulfilled. He's clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. His name is called the word of God. And so the king's apparel is dyed with the blood of his enemies as he has stood them down. What a revelation because we know at this time and we've looked already I think it's been introduced two or three times already Armageddon in Revelation as the armies of the world gather <clears throat> well just this week or was it last week that the Chinese man in charge whatever they call him president has got himself in position and locked in for life <clears throat> it may be him that sends the army of what 200 million men plus other people from other countries that come down at Armageddon where they all gather to do away with the Jews under the, under the leadership of Antichrist but then turn to fight the king. What a surprise on their faces when heaven opens. All of a sudden, somebody turns up. All of a sudden, their plans are in disarray all of a sudden the king of kings comes. And most of those people that will be there, well, all I believe are those people that were in those armies, are atheistic, don't believe there is a God. There can't be a God. We've proven He's he doesn't exist. I was listening to a man last night that was saying, was talking to a commentator about where languages come from. And the commentator said, well, you know, is it 60,000 years or whatever? You know, they just pick a figure out of the air that language has been around. And the fellow said to study the language, he said, no, 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 probably at the most 10,000 years. I thought, wow, you don't usually hear that. If you come back to a bit less than that, about 4,000 years, you'd be right on on Babylon, <laughs> where the Tower of Babel and the languages were confused. But just from studying languages and that, but these people who deny God the armies that deny God and all their weaponry gathered together. The logistics of feeding an army of 200 million people out of their homeland in a foreign country is staggering. Just to think of it, you think of a few hundred thousand, that's big enough, but to, to, to arm them and to feed them and to keep them moving into this area, all with the expectation There's going to be victory. Look at the force we've got. One of the men marching there would feel, Look, nobody can defeat us. We're so many, we're so numerable that nothing can stop us. (laughs) The King of Kings can. Notice the King's army under his name. It's the name of mystery, it's the name of ministry. It's the name of majesty. We see the king's apparel. We see the king's army in verse 14. And the armies that were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Have you ever thought of yourself as being members in a mighty army? Well, in... um, Where is it? Ephesians. There you have about putting on the armament, the protective armament, and having the sword of the spirit the offensive weapon we're in that army as it were now but this is a different army well the same army made of the same people but on a different occasion a mighty army and here they are coming out of heaven this verse tells us that jesus will be accompanied by the redeemed saints of god when he returns in glory and if they're coming with him they must be up there to come with him they've gone before and how do we know that these are the saints look at their apparel of the king's army they are clothed in fine linen clean and white or white and clean if you go back to verse 8 of the same chapter and to her the church was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen clean and white for fine linen is a righteous acts of saints it is the church and this. It's described there, verse 8, and this verse here, verse 14. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you like riding horses, but I'm sure this horse won't um, shy. It won't... What do, you, what do they... When they get a fright, they... Bolt. bolt. yeah. <laughs> they won't bolt. They won't, buck. They won't buck. You'll be quite secure on your horse. And uh, if you've got an allergy to a horse, you'll have a new body. <laughs> no allergies... And this will be a horse that you'll be able to ride. But the Lord does the fighting. Our Redeemer does the battle. He wins the victory. We see the king's armament as we come following him as heaven opens. And we come forth with him, following him. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. With it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them. Look, he's coming back to rule the nations. And that means a kingdom and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and that's promised in the Old Testament, Psalm chapter 2. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of a wrathful mighty God. We've looked at that in Isaiah just a moment ago. So the king's armament, no carnal weapons. All he does is to open his mouth and he defeats the enemy. It's the word of God. It's the word of the one that 6,000 years ago spoke and the world came into existence. He spoke and the waters were separated from the dry land. He spoke and the animals came into existence. He spoke and the stars of heaven were there. He spoke and man was created. This is the word of the one. It's the, one, the word of the one who came to Lazarus's tomb and he said, Lazarus, come forth, and he came forth this is the one who said to the leper be cleansed and he was cleansed this is the one who said to the blind man see and he saw this is the one who was on the sea when it was rough and the disciples thought they were going to die in a in in their sinking ship and the sea was calm this is the one whose word is on display here for all to see And he opened his mouth, and the sharp sword went out, the word of his mouth, and he smote all the armies of the enemy in one word. Can he do it? Of course he can do it. It's proven in the past that he can do it in the word of God, and it will be proven in the future that this prophecy will be fulfilled. Remember when the, the soldiers come to take the Lord Jesus, whom seek ye? Wham! (laughs) They went over. The word just, the word spoken. And and what is amazing, and and Peter cut off the the servant of the high priest here as well, that the Lord put it back on. A a miracle happened. They were knocked over, but they still come forward. What do wicked men need to make them wake up to the reality of who the Lord is? We haven't time, but read Psalm 2 in relation to all this. The people imagine a vain thing. The nations uh, take counsel together against the Lord. In Isaiah 11, verse 4, in the last part of that verse, He shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. There's a speaking of this time. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, For the word of God is what? Quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, the word of God, the visitation of the king, his, appar- his appearance, his, his apparel, and his army and his armament. The voice of the king, and this is just these two verses, 17 and 18 the Lord commands the fowls to come to feast on the flesh of these fallen soldiers. And I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great king, the great God. That they may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and the men that sit on them. And the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And so he commands the fowls to come and then he commands the flesh to be consumed. Now, as they came down, there were were positions. Men of rank and authority and, hey, when they die, we're all level. When we die, (laughs) we're all on the same level. And no matter if you've got captain, you're prime minister or president or or dictator, you come down to the same level. (laughs) The poor man, he died, but he was in Abraham's bosom, wasn't he? (laughs) He had crumbs to eat down here, and now he's got a feast up there. But the rich man is brought down low, is brought down low. And so he commands the flesh to be consumed in these verses here. And the word flesh is used five times, I think, in one verse there. And uh, some of us will like to blame everything on somebody else. Adam and Eve tried that too. Blame the devil or blame your husband or blame your wife. Um, blame the world for what you've done. But, folks, it's our old flesh, isn't it? Read, read Romans chapter 7, the flesh. When I would do good, evil is present with me in this old body of flesh. And now Satan may tempt us to do evil, but it's our stinking old rotten flesh that causes that, or, or may, <laughs> encourages us to go on in our sin and to fall from fellowship with the Lord. And the, wor- the word the is filled with allurement. Sorry, the world is filled with allurements and attractions that draw the flesh into its snare. And Satan would have no power over us at all if it weren't for the wicked heart that we have. It's fallen, isn't it? And it's away from God. In 1 John 2, verse 15 and through to 17, but just 16, verse 16, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passes away in the lust of it. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. We've probably battled with the flesh. We might have had a battle with the flesh this morning to get here. I think some have. (laughs) There's some empty seats around. We might have a battle with the world, the flesh and the devil. But all these will be won one day. The world is destroyed in Revelation 18. The devil is destroyed in Revelation chapter 20. And the flesh is destroyed in verse 19. And this mortal puts on immortality. <laughs> then shall be brought to pass the saying, Thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. O oh, today or oh, soon that the flesh would be gone and that would have the victory. When this corruptible shall put on incorruption, this mortal put on immortality. And so the voice of the king, the visitation of the king, what he thinks about the flesh there and the voice of the king. But then the victory of the king in verse 19 to 21. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse. In other portions, you see them gathering together because they've been by unclean spirits gathered together. The Lord's will is being done. God draws the armies to Armageddon. And we've studied this already. <clears throat> the great and terrible day has finally arrived. The showdown has come as they've gathered there, <clears throat> trying to defeat the line of the tribe of Judah. And this is a mission impossible <laughs> because the Lord is greater than all men, isn't he? Man thinks he's in control, man thinks with all his technology he's able to do it at this end game here, at this end fight. Um, <clears throat> but God is sovereign. God is overall. God, just by the word of his mouth, can determine the outcome. You know, even them gathering, gathering together is God's sovereign will at this time, isn't it? Little do they realise that just them being there is a result of what God has, how God has drawn them there. The puny human thinks that he's going to defeat God and God is, is in fact got them to the fight. <laughs> he's drawn them there for the showdown and the victory. In Psalm 115 verse 3 we read, But our God is in heaven, he hath done whatsoever it hath pleased him. In Psalm 135 verse 6, Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in earth and in the sea and in the deep places. In Isaiah 46, verse 10, we read, Declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsels shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. He, it is he that worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. It's not man bringing this to pass. It's the Lord God bringing it to pass. He draws the armies to Armageddon. He destroys the armies at Armageddon. Verse 20. And the beast was taken, and the false prophet, that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that received the mark of the beast, and then that worshipped his image. These were both cast alive into the lake, burning with fire. The devil's men are destroyed, the Antichrist and the false prophet. Can you imagine the armies there as their two leaders are taken before their very eyes and are cast alive into the lake of fire? These two minions of Satan will not experience physical death but sent immediately to their eternal doom. Hell is waiting with its mouth wide open to receive these wicked people at the command of the Lord Jesus. As it reads in Matthew 25, verse 41, Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. <clears throat> and it's then that the other people, all the armies of these, the beast and the false prophet, and the re- verse 21, the remnant was slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse. That's the leaders and then the followers. The deceived multitudes are destroyed immediately afterward. And this is recorded in Matthew 25, there, and verse 41, and the verses following to 41, where the goats on the left hand are taken and separated from the sheep on the right hand, the place of blessing, there's a place of cursing for the goats. And they're they're also doomed, their bodies are. Are killed and their spirits, their souls go to hell. The deceived multitudes are destroyed. And people will say, well, there's time to change your mind. Remember years ago when there was um, the, the, the old, it wasn't, it was a film, a 16mm film put out. Um, <clears throat> what was it called? Left Behind, that's right. The, the, the original one. And this, there's a song that went with it, and I think they played it at the end. There's no time to change your mind. The king has come, and you've been left behind. And here the king comes, breaks through the sky with his, on his horse, and all the armies follow, and you say, there's time to change your mind. No, these people are set in their ways. They've decided to fight to the last drop of blood, and they will. And the Lord will destroy them. They're on the mountains of Israel. All the hordes that come under the leadership of Antichrist and his men. And so the victory is the lambs. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. What about us? Will we hear the Lord say, well done thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Or depart from me ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Jesus is coming. It's a fact. I don't care what the world say and how many of the world says it's not going to happen. It will happen. The major theme of the word of God is he's coming again. He can't let the world go on. It won't go on. It can't go on the way it's going and heading. In fact, there are 1,845 references to the Lord's coming in the Old Testament, just in the Old Testament, there's a total of 17 Old Testament books give it prominence in the prophets. Of the 260 chapters in the New Testament, there are 318 references to the second coming of Christ. That's one out of every 30 verses. Speak of it. That's why when a preacher gets up to preach, if he's just preaching through the word of God, every 30 verses is going to hit upon the subject you say you're always talking about it why because the bible is always talking about his coming again Uh, 23 out of 27 new testament books refer to this great event for every prophecy on the first coming of christ there are eight references to his second coming i think he's made made it a a major thing that the king is coming the world's not going to continue But are you ready for his coming? Are we prepared to meet our God? Have we been washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are we under his mercy and grace? Or are we under his wrath and judgment? It's a righteous thing for God to judge those that have not submitted to his authority. Have you come to the Lord Jesus? I think it was Brother Merv said, and I've used it before. He said, I'm putting all my hope and trust on the rider, on the white horse, in the last event. And that's what we've seen today. The rider on the white horse in the last event. The Lord Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Heavenly Father, thank you for the revelation of Jesus Christ. The return of in power and glory, and nobody can stop him. Nobody will stop the word of God from being fulfilled and the word of God coming again. Bless us, Lord, with the understanding that you are the one that has won the victory from the cross, from creation, and here from conquering. Lord, may, may each one of us here today be on... In the army following him, may all glory and power and praise be to the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.